Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We have got so much tyranny, uh, it would take forever to list all the tyranny that's happening in the world today. Uh, but uh, this is Bloodlines. Today is May 1st, the anniversary of the Illuminati. The Illuminati was created on May 1st, 1776, folks, just before America was created. And that was prophesied in the book of Revelation, the, the dragon that wants to devour Israel, the, the woman, Israel. Uh, was ready to devour America, the regathering of the 12 tribes of Israel, and uh, that it stood ready to devour America, but they haven't done so quite yet. They're still trying. They're still trying to devour America. The Rothschilds and the Illuminati and the communists and the Jew World Order, United Nations, uh, the League for Industrial Democracy, the, uh, the assembled, uh, well, how should I put this, the assembled, uh, School boards of America, all commies, all commies. They've been infiltrating the public schools since 1912 or so, and they've been doing a damn good job of subverting America ever since. So with all of this subversion, Michael, uh, has Sweden been subverted in a similar way? Yeah, sure. Yes, uh, well, been subverted even further, unfortunately, because we has had... Uh, uh, socialism more rampant in this nation for a longer time. So Sweden was uh, usurped, was yeah, was hoodwinked into it in in early 1900. Yes, right. Okay, so yeah, that- because this was an international movement. Okay, and that's what's so sinister about it. It's a very international movement. Uh, it's an offshoot of the Communist International, but it's a soft sell, right? The the education departments of the world are soft-selling communism, calling it socialism, or they're calling it uh, progressivism, right? Or liberalism, but it's all communism under another name. That's all it is, okay? Just as we found out Cain exists under other names, right? Like, such as Sargon the Magnificent, but the theologians haven't figured that out yet, okay? So, yeah, just a quick note, uh, a quick review. Last uh, last weekend, I was in Indiana attending a rally, the Aryan Freedom Network, and it was a very, very good m- meeting. We had uh, 30 to 40 people and uh, all very much dedicated to bringing the white race back into the power that we should have, and it's, uh, a lot of Christians there, uh, th- the the white nationalist movement is slowly but surely beginning to pick up on Christian identity. The fact that Judaism is not the, the, the religion of the Old Testament, that was Mosaism, and uh, Christianity is the true follow-through of Mosaism, and not, you know, Judaism has nothing to do with it. So uh, I was able to get that point across very well at the rally, and... Uh, uh, had you know, tremendous support for you know the fact that we Anglo-Saxon Caucasian Israelites are the true Israelites of the Bible and not the Jews. Okay, that message is starting to ring true among white nationalists, and it's about time. <laughs> okay, it's about time. So my thanks to the Aryan Freedom Network for uh, putting this event on and allowing me to participate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then from Indiana, I went down to Kentucky, and on Tuesday, 
I uh, attended a MAFA meeting, which is, uh, I, I guess, an offshoot of MAGA, Make America Great Again. Now it's Make America Free Again. And uh, Donald Trump ha- has very little do- to do with it, if anything. So it's an attempt by local people, local Christians, to take America back. Okay? So even there, they need a lot of guidance because all they know really is that America is in deep trouble. Our institutions have been subverted, and they don't know quite who the subversive force is, right? And so uh, I'm going to see if I can uh, be a speaker at one of their events. You know, So I was just a participant, and I made a couple of comments, and, uh, you know, the... Uh, those movements all need guidance from Christian identity. They absolutely do, okay? So that's where it stands, but it's very good. It's good news that the MAFA movement exists and that parents are beginning to smell a rat. And this is actually an offshoot, folks, of the lockdown because when the lockdowns occurred, uh, parents were able to observe what their children are being taught and they were aghast when they realized that they were being taught uh, homosexuality. They weren't being educated in the three R's. They were being educated in perversion, okay? So these parents, thanks to the lockdown, have found out what is actually being taught in the public schools, right? And they have become suitably alarmed. In fact, the public schools have been subverted since 1912 by the League of Industrial Democracy, which is nothing other than part of the Communist International, the soft-cell branch of communism, and you know, people like H.G. Wells, uh, John Dewey, yeah, the Dewey De- Decimal System uh, in the library, yeah, he was a socialist, uh, that is a closet communist. Uh, Bertrand Russell, those kinds of people, are the people who are soft-selling communism, repackaging it as progressivism, right? And that's the state of affairs today. So, uh, you know, that is in 1912 or so. Here we are 110 years later. Do you think they've infiltrated our schools even more, Michael? Oh, yeah. The... <laughs> okay. So, but uh, now, so the parents in America weren't really aware what the teachers did teach them, that they didn't teach them, uh, yeah, as you said, this, the three R's, that is uh, basic on basic knowledge. Instead, they teaching yeah. them to be homosexuals. That's right. Socialists. Oh, my. Perverts. Oh. Right? Yeah. And the American public was totally unaware. They were in the dark. They just assumed, you know, they assumed uh, falsely that these teachers are public servants, right? Uh, aren't the public servants supposed to do the will of the, uh, of the, of the taxpayer, of the people? No. Yeah. They do, right? Okay. That's, they assumed this. So uh, they need to be educated on how this subversion has taken place for the last 110 years. And it's the League for Industrial Democracy. We should do a show about that in the near future. Or you know, maybe I can uh, do a show on that on the Restoration Hour because it's very important how, how socialism is being soft-sold 
by the UN. It's essentially the UN. It's an, a branch of the UN. Although the League for Industrial Democracy started way before the UN was created. The UN has, has now uh, taken over the League of Democ- uh, Industrial Democracy, which is nothing but socialism and communism. Okay. It's a, and the, the funny thing about it is, and even most people just don't, they still don't get it, that Communism has always been financed by the super-rich, especially super-rich Jews. Yeah, Swamp Fox, it's a total takeover without firing a shot, right? Except now they've introduced the hypodermic shot, right, to, to, to warp the brains and minds of our children and, and their parents even more, okay? So, I mean, this is the total, this is the great delusion, uh, spoken of by Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It is the great stupor talked about by uh, Baruch, the apocalypse of Baruch, Baruch being Jeremiah's scribe. He says, in the end times, the world will be taken over by a great stupor. How do you spell stupor? C-O-V-I-D. That's how you spell stupor, Michael. That's where we're at. And Paul said, Satan is the prince of this world. Okay? So all the goody two-shoes liberals and the, uh, you know, the, the brainwashed Judeo-Christians are finally beginning to wake up. Over to you. Yeah, they are waking. But do you think they will see the light and really come to our point of view to how to view um, yeah, to the read reality. the Bible in a, as we as in to doing real word studies and really to get to the bottom of those words right. because much of this because I've also I send um, I recently listened to a really crazy guy called Adam Green and okay. he is bashing the Bible really much and he is I, I, he is so confused so confused right. and much of his faults um, his misconceptions he had is based upon his misconception of the word Jew. And right. that and that yeah, that is the his his biggest problem. If that would fall for him, all his arguments will fall because the Jews are not uh, the Bible is not written for the Jews. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that well, would that would yeah. but there's so many of our people that are we are like a people without a rudder. We are like a ship on the on the sea where there is no no anchor, we, we have no rudder. We are just uh, back and forth. Back, we we have no guidance. Yeah, that is apparent among our people today. Same in uh, yeah, in, here in Sweden, very well also because here here is basically ninety five percent, as I said before, is are atheists. Right. So here is basically yeah, I don't know what to say. Hell on earth because no one does believe it. Because right. they they just believe in themselves or in, in this socialist uh, yeah you know how, how they are they money is their god that's how yeah. you measure how successful uh, someone is it is money how much you accumulate how much yeah you know how much goodies how much toys you have right. nothing else nothing of spiritual or higher values that's right materialism and communism is based on materialism so what good are they yeah well I, I consider Adam Green to be a shill that he's a gatekeeper for the Jews because the Jews are very comfortable having white nationalists and patriots still believe that they are God's chosen people of the Old Testament. 
Okay, so that is the, their bread and butter, plus the Holocaust. So as long as you don't tread on the Jews' toes by denying the Holocaust and denying that they're Israel, then they're perfectly happy with your content. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so uh, yeah. good, good luck trying to convert Adam Green. I, I think he's a, a false prophet. You know, he's, he's probably a shill for the Jews all the way. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, for sure. But yeah. the the story is that he get that he gets probably our white brothers and sisters they are tricked by him. That's that is right. what makes that they they are lead astray. Would they they believe no the Bible is not true or they could be the white naturalists just say oh yeah look as I said uh, yeah. because they are very they are tough to get over on the other side because they are in that camp to believe that the Jews are Israel and right. that the Bible is a Jewish book. And the Jews are very happy that all of these white people have become atheists, right? Because they have yeah. separated themselves from their uh, Lord and Savior. That's, that's a Jewish trick. <laughs> that's what it is. And Adam Green is the trickster for the Jews. That's what he is, okay? So uh, same is true of David Duke. David Duke teaches that the Jews are the Israel of the Bible, and the Edomites were the good guys, <laughs> right? Okay? Why? Yeah. Edom okay. might be good, guys. He, he must be smoking something. Yeah, that's right. He's smoking something, <laughs> right? And it has warped oh, his mind. Yeah, amen. Amen. So this we have uh, – talk about disinformation. Yeah. 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 So, I mean that, that's why we – our the work we are doing are all also important and try to spreading it to our white nationalist yeah. brother because they know that the Jews are bad. They know right. it. But exactly. then you have to get to the next step. So that's this right. kind of, they are very uh, tough. They are stiff-necked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the biggest lie in the world is that Jesus was a Jew, right? He was a Judahite, not a Jew. There's a world of difference between those two, right? And oh, so yeah. this is this is our mission. We have to keep pushing the, the truth in, in their faces, no matter how much resistance we get. We're going to have to push this fact to in front of their faces. So uh, ultimately, you know, it's a slow awakening process. How do we undo 110 years of propaganda by the League for Industrial Democracy, today known as the UN, and wake our people up? Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, Brother Aber says we work for eternal affairs. <laughs> right. But, uh, but in order to achieve... Uh, you know, clarity for our people. They must uh, absolve themselves of the illusion that the Jews are God's chosen people. Israel. That's the the major step. But we cannot uh, we cannot get them there un unless we unravel the the ball the twisted ball of yarn uh, down to the down to its core. Okay, so we we can see that the Mafa group are very much opposed to the. The, the program of the League for Industrial Democracy, which is the beginning of progressivism in the educational system of America, right? And what they did was they insinuated themselves not just into the schools, but into the churches, okay? And they teach progressivism in the churches. Very, very subtle stuff. But as they insinuate themselves into the schools and the churches and the government, Guess what? We've got globalism everywhere because that's their intention. 
the global one world government. That is their true aim. Okay, and they have succeeded mightily in the last 110 years. So as we unravel this ball of twine, ball of subversion, we just keep on teaching the truth to whatever extent any group can handle it, (laughs) right? Okay, until they finally, because the best teacher uh, is the one who uh, uses lessons so that the students can figure it out for themselves, okay? Because very often just telling them the answer to the to the problem doesn't accomplish anything. They have to be able to figure it out for themselves. Let them figure it out for themselves, and uh, then they will never forget the lesson, okay? Right, yeah. Yeah, Gab is full of scrambled up Christians <laughs> and Hitler worshippers. That's an odd combination, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, but there are very few that are wiping the sleep out of their eyes. That is correct, Brother Abery. You're absolutely right on. That's that's the state of the affairs: the Judeo Christians and the uh, white the white atheists, who uh, both of groups who falsely believe that the Jews are Israel. All right. And uh, but at least the white nationalists don't believe in the Holocaust, <laughs> right? Okay, so they've got that going for them. But yeah, Adam Green is not on our side. He, you know, no, he is, no, yeah. he is a total. He is um, yeah, yeah. I feel he is. Yeah, because I did, I did li- lo- uh, watch at one debate between him and and. E. Michael Jones, a Catholic. So it was also right. like a, a controlled, and E. Michael Jones was. I believe it was horrible in doing this. This yeah. he, he, I, yeah. he didn't do anything good at all. You know, the Catholic right. and Catholic is, is also that is that is the war, the war yeah. of Babylon. Amen. So I mean, amen. So it's too yeah. controlled. And he said, "Oh, all the uh, the Reformation was a mistake, and have all have to come home again. Yeah, come home yeah. to Babylon and what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The war, the war's uh, childrens, uh, the Protestants and the, all the other denominations we have." Right. Well, the Catholic Church has been the greatest promoter of ecumenism at East, ECU, not EHU, <laughs> but maybe it's better pronounced ehumanism, right? The, uh, the, the father, what, the, uh, fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, ecumenism, where all religions are going to be brought together under the United Nations and peace will result. Right? <laughs> well, haven't they been doing that for well over 200 years under the Rothschilds, under the Freemasons? Is there any peace yet? Is there any No, peace? it's chaos. No, it's absolute chaos, right? Because you cannot blend together total opposites, you know, like oil and water, and expect them to, you know, work together. No, they will be working together under the force, under the thumb, under the jack-booted boots of the United Nations. That's what, and that has is how has it worked out. But it, it, the average white person, whether he be a Christian <laughs> or, or, or a, a, a so-called white nationalist, does not understand the subtlety of the international Jew. Simply does not understand the subtlety of the beast. Right, Genesis three one, the beast that was more subtle you know, than any uh, the what do you call it? Nachash was more subtle than any beast of the field. Okay, our people simply do not cre- uh, understand how devious they really are. Okay, and the white nationalists think, well, they can't outsmart me. 
I know what the Jews are. No, you don't. You still believe that they're Israelites. That, that has turned you against the Bible and against Jesus Christ. That is a major mistake. Okay? And the, the Christians, I mean, are just totally befuddled. They're just totally befuddled. Don't know if we can reach them. But anyway, uh, the teaching the, uh, the story of Cain and who Cain really was is a, a formidable aspect. But nevertheless, there are rays of hope, you know, glimmers of hope, put it that way. But we, we know that uh, we're not going to convert the world. This is about the remnant. Uh, we want to regather the remnant and get it, get ready for the burning of the tares. All right. Okay. The Matthew 25 uh, says uh, the, the tares will be gathered first and burnt and the children of the kingdom will be watching the tares burn and then we will be gathered and into the kingdom. So that, that day is coming. That's phase two. That's sec- the second coming of Messiah. And I can't wait for that day, Michael. I can't wait for it. I wish it were here right now. But you know, it's yeah. all according to God's timing, not ours. Back to you. It is. It is to his timing and to his pleasure. He has his plan, and that should be fulfilled to 100%. And we don't know when it is fulfilled and what will make yeah. it fulfilled. Yeah. So. Yeah, we know what to do, but but uh, when we don't know yeah. when everything is uh, accomplished according according to him and his time plan. Yeah. So the only question for us is how much worse can it possibly get, right? I mean, everything is fake. Medicine is fake. The news is fake. The Jews are fake. Uh, Christianity is fake. E- even sports are fake, right? <laughs> everything is fake. There's nothing that you can believe in anymore. And that's what, you know, people have to, when they have nothing left, then maybe they'll start fighting back, you know. And, uh, you know, even this war in Ukraine is fake, you know, and you're asked to be choosing sides yet again, okay. Choose uh, Justianity, very good. Uh, Are you in favor of Putin or in favor of Zelensky? Take your pick, right? Yeah, it's wrong either way. Cool. Yeah, and there you see our people too that they are up in arms regarding to the to the Ukraine now. Oh, they are attacking their own blah blah blah. All that that they uh, that they claim that Putin is doing, but they are neglecting the fact that the Ukrainians were harassing and were were bombarding their own. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, their own civilians in eastern Ukraine. Yes, exactly. They neglect that totally. They don't. Yeah. They don't know it. Did Did you know this? Did you know this? They don't care. Right. Yeah. So Putin. Yeah. Putin has been selected as the uh, boogeyman du jour. Okay. So that the West people in the West who falsely believe that uh, Ukraine is on our ally, <laughs> Ukraine is nothing but a Jewish fiefdom. That's all it is. It's a Jewish fiefdom. And, uh, so we're, we're, we're supposed to make our donations to this Jewish fiefdom and, uh, you know, squander our resources thereby. Okay. They are wearing out the saints. They're taxing us to uh, destroy us. That's all. And they're trying to get us involved in another world war. Although it won't, it won't be nuclear. I keep telling people it's not going to be nuclear because they don't want to destroy the kingdom. They want to steal from us, okay? They want to preserve as much infrastructure as possible. That's why they're using 5G, 
the the uh, the jib jab, the Gates jib jab, and big pharma, mass media, who constantly prattles about democracy. There is no democracy. It's nothing but rule by banksters. Rule by banksters. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yes, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. Yeah, 5G satellites. By the way, uh, 40 of uh, Elon Musk's 49 satellites were knocked out of the sky by a solar flare. Okay, we should do a show about the solar flares that uh, they're increasing in number. We're getting to a solar maximum within the next five or six years, and we can anticipate more solar flares. Uh, that'll be good for us because it'll knock out all their satellites, you know, of the, of the Jew World Order and their drones and their missiles you know, and all that because that's all controlled by computers. Very delicate circuitry, which will be fried by that solar flare. When when Yahweh decides to blow off that solar flare, the the world the Jew world order is toast. It'll it'll be toast. Okay, so I can't wait for that day either. We'll watch their satellites fall from the skies. Right? Okay, and then will it be a level playing field? Our ammo against theirs. Okay? Bring it on, Rothschild. Bring it on. Try it take on the Second Amendment crowd of America. See how far you get. All right, it's really going to be interesting, folks. Yeah, <laughs> Nimble Horse says the Jews split the atom with chutzpah. Well, of course, at uh, CERN they have a statue of the God of Destruction, uh, the Hindu God of Destruction. I'm trying to think of the name, uh, Kali. Kali, I forget. Uh, that might be it. So, now why would CERN? have a statue of the Hindu god of destruction <laughs> as their symbol. Why? Yeah, Kali, thank you, Jeffrey. Why? I mean, I, I suppose they're supposed to be a scientific organization. No, it's, uh, they are something, they are something, they are built up to the, yeah, to right. harm us, to do destruction. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the real purpose of CERN is to open up a portal to the underworld and let the demons in into our world. That's the real purpose of CERN. Okay. So anyway, uh, we got off on a tangent there. <laughs> My fault. So let's get back to the uh, subject at hand, the Sargon the Magnificent by Mrs. Sidney Bristow. Okay. But um, be- yeah. before we, can I also read some excerpt from Matthew chapter 17 until I think 21? That sure. is regarding to this big, what do you say, our big task at hand. Uh, it's a bit referring to that, I believe. Yes. It's about, it's regarding to the faith and to, this is what uh, Yeshua Messiah, mm-hmm. this is Jesus healed a boy with a demon. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's let's read this one because I think it's it has... Uh, it has validity for this this enormous work we have to do because we are not so many, but um, yeah. we can do wonders, I think. Amen. So, uh, uh, I will Go read Matthew um, seventeen fourteen until 21. Um, and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Masters, have compassion on my son, for he is in an ep- epileptic and suffers badly, for he often falls 
into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him uh, to your thought ones, but they were uh, unable to heal him. And Yahshua answered, said, O generations, unbelieving and perverted, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Yeshua rebuked the demon, and he came out of him, and the child was healed from that hour. Then the thought ones came to Yeshua by himself and said, Why were we unable to cast him out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Yeshua said to them, Because of your un- unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you believe uh, as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall uh, move, and no matter shall be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. Um, yeah, so what I... Uh, want to point out is this mainly the last verse here in 20 disregarding the unbeliefs and that we have to have belief and as I said if you have belief as a mustard seed we can then move mountains and of course moving mountains is not moving a, 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 we'll say a mountain out uh, out in the nature this is moving a big hindrance a big a big right. object in front of us that yeah, a, looks a monumental big a political mountain <laughs> right <laughs> A mountain of unbelief, yes, yeah, 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 and uh, atheism. So we have, yes, exactly. So I believe that we can, with this, we can accomplish very much. Just because we are, we are not many, but we have, we are, we have the truth on our side. We have our uh, Messiah on our side. We have the only living God on our side, and right. we have the. I believe. Uh, I'm not uh, bad. I'm not want to be proud, but I believe also we have the best quality on our side, also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, because the problem, main problem with Judeo-Christianity is their antinomianism, which is they don't believe in the law, <laughs> right? They don't believe in the law. So uh, they're, they're condemning themselves by not obeying his law. Revelation twelve seventeen is very clear. Only those who have, who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus Christ will enter into the kingdom. I mean, right now, that's a very exclusive club, right? We'd like to have more Israelites join the club, but uh, their unbelief in the, in the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law is their stumbling block. So we have to remove that stumbling block from them and expose antinomianism as the fraud that it is, okay? That has to be exposed. So uh, we've got our work cut out from us for us, Michael. We have it cut out for us, but... As this verse says, it's not an impossible job. We just keep at it. And because, uh, like I said, I was very encouraged by the two meetings I attended last week. And uh, it shows that people are waking up. Okay? People are waking up. and uh, But we just have to gather them back into the fold of the chosen people, the uh, covenant Israelites. That that's the, that's the name of the game. And once they enter into that fold, re-enter that fold, uh, heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices. Okay. So, all right, uh, let's get into it. That, yeah, that's a very important verse. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. 
okay, so for those uh, who have the link that I put into the chat room there, that's uh, Chris Peed's new ensign.com, his uh, version of it, uh, you know, uh, online version of Sargon the Magnificent. Uh, we're on page 50, and uh, Michael's going to begin reading on the sentence that says, My proposition. Okay, over to you. Yes, my proposition that in this Babylonian legend uh, there lies a clue to the problem of the uh, grove of Nemi can hardly be regarded as far-fetched. Considering that the Greek and Roman mythologies were derived from the Babylonians, and here we have a little footnote that said, uh, quote, the Greeks, borrowing most of their astronomical knowledge from the Babylonians, held similar myths and ideas. The Romans adopted the Greek ideas, end quote. Yes. Uh, we have seen that Professor Sayes regards the gardener uh, Isolano as representing Sargon, which justifies us in regarding uh, him as Cain. We have also seen that uh, the professor identifies Tammuz with Abel, and the fact that in the above legend he regards Tammuz as uh, Tabalu, as one and the same, okay. justifies us in looking for a double character in the Roman legend as well. This we uh, find in the goddess Diana, uh, admittedly a form of Ishtar. Who's also uh, based on Eve, <laughs> right? Yes, all these a ancient gods and goddesses stem from the Garden of Eden, including the serpent. Yes. Yep. And the water nymph Egeria, who is shown by her attributes to be another form of Ishtar, that both these characters represent Eve, seems obvious for uh, Verbius, the young hero of the grove, is connected by Sir James Fraser with Thomas, and therefore with Abel. Having satisfied ourselves, therefore, that Cain's mother and brother are represented in both the Babylonian and Roman legend, um, it seems natural to look for Cain himself, and since uh, Professor Says identifies the gardener uh, Isilano in the Babylonian legend with Sargon, it seems evident that the murder priest king of the Roman legend represents Cain. Right. This possibility increases uh, the interest of the legend about which Sir James Fraser writes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so mm -hmm. Cain was the original gardener, but he rejected. He didn't want to be a gardener. <laughs> so, and uh, by offering a poor sacrifice to Yahweh when he had the chance, he was kicked out of the garden. Okay, so now he hires other people to do the gardening for him, right? And that's what the Jews do today. They don't do any farming. But they own land and they hire people to do the farming for them. Otherwise, they would starve because they don't. They can't farm. The ground won't yield for them. Back to you. Yeah. Okay. Quote: Who does not know uh, Turner's pictures of the Golden Bath, the little woodland lake of Naomi, Diane's mirror, as it was called by the ancients, that calm water lapid in a green hollow of the Alban hills. In antiquity, this uh, sylvan landscape was the scene of the strange and recurring um, 
a tragedy. Dark crimes were perpetrated there under the mask of religion. Ah, end quote. Yes. Yeah, veil religion. Yeah. Yes. The same writer quotes uh, uh, Machia Lu- Macaulay. Machia- Macaulay's. Macaulay's verse. Uh, quote, the still glassy lake that sleeps beneath uh, uh, Aricia's trees. These trees in uh, whose du- uh, dim shadow the ghastly priest doth reign, <laughs> the priest who slew the slayer and shall himself be slain. Yeah, okay. That's probably a reference to Lamech because Lamech accidentally killed his ancestor Cain. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why, Sir James Fraser asked, had the priest of Niami to slay his predecessor? And why, before doing so, had he to pluck the branch of a certain tree, uh, which the public opinion of the of the ancients identified with the golden broth? The answer I venture to give is because Cain murdered Abel, whose sacrificial offerings had been uh, uh, preferred to his own, and because the sacred tree round uh, which the priest uh, prowled increasingly um, commemorated the trace of the Garden of Eden, which had so largely influenced the destiny of Adam's family. Yeah, it is Adam's family. It's just the uh, tree of DNA of the Adamic race, yes. She's really close on everything she says. <laughs> okay, back to you. Yes, uh, to anyone who accepts my argument and is willing to regard the priest-king of Naomi as derived from Cain, the following account of a double-headed bust found at Naomi and uh, believed to represent the priest-king will be of interest. Sir James Fraser suggests that the older uh, head may represent the actual priest-king and the younger head the murderer who was to kill him and take his place. My own suggestion is that the older head represents Cain, the murder priest-king, while in the younger head I see his brother Abel. Sir James Fraser describing uh, the bust says, quote, The type of face is similar in both heads, but there are marked differences between them. For while the one is young and uh, beardless, uh, with shut lips and a steadfast gaze, the other is a man of uh, middle life with a long and mated beard, wrinkled uh, brows, a wild and anxious look in his eyes, and an open, uh, grinding mouth. But perhaps the most singular thing about the two heads is the leaves uh, with the uh, scalloped edges, which are plastered, uh, so to say, on the necks of both busts, and apparently also under the eyes of the young figures. Uh, the leaves have been uh, inter- uh, interpreted uh, as oak leaves, and the moustache uh, of the older figure clearly resembles an oak leaf. All this may contain, in germ, the solutions of the problem of the king of the wood worship. End quote. 
Hmm. Okay. Is this what the dru- druids came from? Druids didn't they was much under the and I know heroes in Sweden that they were the yeah the yeah. oak is very central, oak, uh, oak but tree. also of course Christianity. Right. Well, the druids were uh, a paganized version of uh, the Levitical priesthood, you know, that wandered into Sweden and England and e- everywhere else. Okay, because their dress imitated the Levitical dress code, but they were paganized. So they worshipped under the oak tree, you know, which the paganized Israelites did under the northern king of Israel, uh, the kingdom of Israel, the ten, ten tribes in uh, Samaria. Okay, so that's the origination of the Druid, Druidic priesthood. They weren't entirely evil, <laughs> but they were paganized, right? All right. Just as modern yes. Judeo-Christians are paganized and don't know it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, sorry for them that they don't yeah. even know it. Uh, okay. Uh, the, but that's how it gets. If you like to have your eyes uh, tickled or, or your ears tickled all the time and always hear what you want to hear. Right. You, you, they have to grow up. Now, the light is between the two faces of the bus supports my theory that they represent the brother Cain and Abel, while the difference of age and ex- expression are, accords with the story told about them in Genesis. And more support for my theory may perhaps be found in the, um, quote, open grinning mouth, end quote, of the older face, which is clearly one side, and therefore suggestive of a muscular uh, contortion known to science as, uh, quote, the uh, cynic spasm, end quote. Okay. All right, let me, let me interject here, because there are various depictions of this, uh, the image you're describing. I just tried to post in the chat room an image of the god Janus, the Roman god Janus, which uh, to the left you have a, an image, a bearded man having sharp ears like Spock, <laughs> like Spock of Star Trek, and having goat's horns coming from his head, looking to the left, and a clean-shaven man uh, looking very much Aryan, uh, looking to the right. So it's very clear from what Mrs. Sidney Bristow has to say that this is and it's a single person, a two-headed person, looking in opposite directions. It's obviously representative of Cain and Abel. Back to you. Yeah. Um, okay, let's continue. Um, so, and describe it as a quote: a convulsive spasm of the muscle of one side of the face. Um, distorting the mouth, nose, etc., uh, into the appearance of a grin, end quote. Could that, uh, now I may be speculating, this that they're describing, if this is something that Cain had, this spasm, could that be the also maybe the mark of Cain? Uh, okay, uh, I was uh, typing something in the chat room. Uh, repeat that. Uh, I don't think I want to miss what you just said. This convulsive spasm of the muscle of one side of the face, distorting the mouth, nose, etc., into the appearance of a grin. Could this be a, maybe a description also about uh, for the, the mark of Cain? Uh, could be. Yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, the sinister grin 
you know the uh how should I, the the Jewish smile, the distorted smile of the Jew when he ha- he knows that he has fooled his victim. Could be. Yeah, it looked, right? yeah. Yeah, look like like the I don't know, looked like Joker. I don't know the Joker smile. I don't know what to, how to describe it really. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, that certainly would, that's a very common motif of the international Jew, the grinning Jew rubbing his hands together at the prospect of having another victim, you know, taking advantage of another victim. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 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 Uh, Let's continue then. Uh, To one who had uh, decided upon grounds already stated that the face of the murder king in the Roman bust represents Cain. It now seems more than uh, a coincidence that the muscular uh, contortion uh, with which he is portrayed has been given a name containing the root of the word Cain and apparently associated in other ways as well with Cain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Philologists agree that the word, uh, quote, Cynix, end quote. Cynic in English, yeah. Kinekoi, Kinekoi in Greek. Yeah, given to certain Greek philosophers in the first century AD, came from the Greek word for dog, uh, <laughs> Kuon. Canine, right, there you go. Canaanites! Yeah, they were dogs. That's right. And that those um, philosophers were so-called because they were, quote, prone to fall back into animalism pure and simple end quote mm-hmm. the, philosopher, and to, the philosopher dogs <laughs> what an image <laughs> go ahead yeah. quote uh, have outraged the uh, dictates of common uh, decent, decency and yeah. quote that's but, what they're uh, doing but, today uh, yeah they're mm-hmm. doing the same thing today All right look at the catholic mm-hmm. priests uh, buggering little children yeah, mm-hmm. but the idea that the Greek word for dog may have been derived from the name of Cain is entirely my own, and since I cannot claim to be uh, one of uh, Copers, uh, quote, learned philologists who chase a panting syllable through time and space, and <laughs> quote. No, it's based on the word Canaanite, okay? Canaanite and canine are extremely linked philologically, right? No doubt about it. Okay. And in fact, the word dog probably originated from the Edomite Doeg, who uh, Solomon, no, who Saul hired to murder certain Israelites. Doeg, the Canaanite. Okay. Okay. Um, My reasons for so bold a suggestion must be uh, stated. Uh, philological speaking, it is a reasonable suggestion for the word uh, Q1, bracket, dog, and bracket, is uh, quite as like the word Cain right. as in the second syllable of Sargon's name, which is identified with Cain. And historically speaking, a connection between the words Cain, um, cynic, and dog seems probable for while the epistle of Jude indicates that the um, evil character of Cain's later life was known to the apostles um, St. Paul and St. John, 
uh, heed their list of evildoers with the word dogs. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, which and one? Yeah, and the prophecy of the Christ hanging on the cross, he would be surrounded by dogs. Yeah. Canaanites, yeah. Uh, which one modern translator of the Bible has changed into uh, cynics? <laughs> Very good. A more convincing rendering than dogs, for obviously sure. men and not animals are referred to. Uh, Cain's wickedness, uh, which has thus vividly remembered in Palestine in the Apostles' time, can uh, scarcely have been lost. Yes. Lost, oh, lost sight of. Yeah, lost sight of. There's a space here. Yeah, in ancient uh, Babylonia, if he was Sargon of Akkad. Although, perhaps, uh, his great achievements overshadow it, and the priests may have... Uh, concealed it in their mysteries. The truth, however, was uh, flimsy disguised in Babylonia, and it seems possible that Sargon's true character was sufficiently recognized. They are to have caused his name uh, to be given to dogs, which were um, abominated in the ancient East. Yes, so that's Uh, why dogs are hated in the East. Because they, they are associated with Cain. Very interesting. Okay. It's only us yeah. Westerners that like dogs <laughs> and keep them as house pets. All right, the Chinese eat them, right? They don't consider them house pets. All right, back to you. Uh, quote, In the Old and New Testaments, the dog is spoken of almost with um, abhorrence. It uh, ranked amongst the unclean beast. Traffic in it was considered as an abomination. End quote. And that's from Encyclopedia of Britannica edition 11, Dogs. Um, the cynics of Greece were eventually uh, proud of their opprobrious uh, op- uh, title, for they adopted a dog as their emblem <laughs> or badge. Right, yeah. They're they're proud of being dogs, (laughs) right? The cynics. Yeah, the cynics are proud of their cynicism. Yeah, no doubt about that. Right? Uh, What do they call them? Uh, Communists uh, are cynics. They they believe that this world cannot uh, be uh, reformed. It must be destroyed and rebuilt under communist uh, principles. Right? That's cynicism to a T. Nihilism. Nihilism is another word for it. Okay. Yeah, but then they have the, what to say, they have the, I don't know what to say, to put themselves over us and say that, no, we don't like your world. We want to destroy it so we can build it up so we, as we want it. Yeah, we want our world, a world of absolute chaos, which they think, if they, if they ever are able to achieve it, which they think they can rule. No? Yeah. How do you rule over chaos? Chaos will rule over them, period. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Perhaps they knew that dogs only took the name uh, Kuon from Cain and uh, gloried in the fact, for 
uh, in the second century AD, another uh, sect of philosophers arose who announced their uh, pre-preference for Cain over Abel oh. and were called Cainites. Okay. Quote, they believe that Cain derived his existence from the superior power and Abel from the inferior power. End wow. quote. Wow. Yeah, so the belief that evil will overcome good. Yeah, that's cynicism, folks. Pure cynicism yeah. and nihilism. Yep. Yeah, that is, yeah, Satan, uh, Satan to a teeth. Yep. Um, although, to some minds, the idea may seem... Uh, fantastic. Uh, these considerations uh, suffice uh, to convince me that a connection exists between the names Cain and Sargon, Kuon, and Greek word for dog, and the uh, Cunicoi, or cynics of Greece, and that through the um, sculpted uh, grin and the uh, cynic spasm, uh, the king of the wood may be identified with Cain. Was uh, Cain's uh, the dog star call of the Cain? Yeah, they uh, call, yeah, Cain is the dog star. That's a constellation. Okay, that's Homer wrote of it. Yeah, uh, quote, whose uh, breath attains the red air uh, with fevers, plagues, and death. End quote. Yeah, yeah, and that's what uh, Cain's successors have been doing for the last six, seven thousand years. Right? Okay, there's a footnote here about uh, Canis, the dog star. Let me read that. It's number nine. It was included in the Babylonian stellar system. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica edition, Canis. Merodach, whom we have identified with Cain, is represented as accompanied by four dogs. Ukumu, the despoiler. Akilu, the devourer. Iskuda, the capturer. And Il Tebu, the carrier away. Uh, it's appropriate that, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, the, the evil woman uh, of the ten northern tribes. Uh, ah, her name okay. escapes. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, I'm thinking also this case yeah. between young yeah. Said she was devoured by yeah. dogs. She was thrown out the window and eaten by dogs. Right? Jezebel. Jezebel, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> but they have to go to hell first. Good luck getting to heaven from there. <laughs> all right. Okay, let's continue. So, now we have, for me anyway, in my book, this is part two of the book that we go to now. Okay. Well, the next section here is In the Gray Dawn of History. Yes, it's yeah. the okay. same here. Very good. So... Let's see. Uh, happily, Cain's followers, like most conspirators, uh, bungled badly and let the truth come down to us through their uh, elaborate uh, barriers of lies. The overwhelming proof that the Babylonians knew of God's existence and willfully disguised that fact is in our uh, possession. Although, as we have seen, the mythological writings uh, constantly allude to the uh, personage mentioned in the first chapter of Genesis. New allusions is made in them uh, to the Creator, the knowledge of whom has come down to us through the Hebrew race. 
According to the Babylonian priests, several gods took part in the creation of the world. Uh, and the gods Anu, Ea and Bel at first, and in later times, uh, Shamas, Istar and Sin ruled the heavens, earth, uh, sea and the affairs of man. No room is left in Babylonian uh, pantheon for a supreme being. Three or four tablets have been found, however, smoothed as it were among thousands of uh, polytestic inscriptions, which clearly show that the knowledge of God existed in Babylonia before the year 2200 BC, when there is said to have been a, quote, literally revival, end quote, during which only writings and traditions were uh, reproduced. These monotheistic writings may therefore have existed in Sargon's time and may have uh, owed their origin to him. In spite of the fact that many generations of priests have held these inscriptions, um, their style is clear and lucid in comparison with all the mythological writings. And this is another proof that the archaic character of the latter was affected. These inscriptions telling about one supreme being, the rebellious angels and the fall of Adam, and which are known to be among the oldest Babylonian writings, prove the soundness um, of Dr. Kittle's theory that a common source existed for uh, the Bible and the Babylonian inscriptions, and that the source was a monotheistic one. To, uh, to use the words, quote, very ancient knowledge imported by God to man, end quote. Other scholars have held the opinion that the original source of both the Bible and Babylonian writings was uh, polytheistic and uh, credit the uh, Israelitish prophets uh, with the change to monotheism. They ignore the possibility that instead uh, of the Hebrews transforming the polytheistic religion of the Babylonians, the Babylonians may have corrupted an original, an original monotheistic religion. Uh, preserved by the he Hebrews. Very good. Surely, considering the tendency of a human race to adopt paganism, uh, it is more reasonable to conclude <laughs> that one god was exchanged for many gods. Nordic that, paganism? Uh, many gods. We are. <laughs> right? Nordic paganism, yeah. uh, British paganism, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So that's what's more that the perversion has gone another way from one god to many gods. That's right. Or ancestor worship, which uh, paganism yeah, really is. Good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Odin, deification of Odin, who was a real person, actually in the line of Judah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, and many gods emerged into one. Yeah. Professor uh, Delich conclude that the monotheistic religion belonged to Sargon's race, according to him, the North Semitic race, and that the polytheistic religion belonged to their inferior race of Babylonia. He writes, quote, the North Semitic tribes threw thought off of. and worshipped God. They thought of and yes. worshipped God as a singular spiritual being and were in possession of religious ideas which differed from the indignatious 
polytheistic mode of thought in Babylonia, end quote. Yeah. So, so what happened to this monotheism? Well, Cain distorted it. <laughs> that, that's what uh, Mrs. Sidney Bristow was telling us. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, then we got today in Christianity, for example, the Trinity. Yeah. That is a way to distort it. Okay. Because then you have three, three beings instead of one. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the Bible you know, talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, but they are a, a unity. They're a unity, and there's no differentiation, you know, of, uh, how, let me put it, content, theology, teaching among those three, whereas in paganism, uh, whatever trinity they have, they're clearly different gods with different uh, powers, different uh, agendas, etc. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um so this was from a book called The Laws of Moses, The Code of uh, Hammurabi hmm. by S.A. Cook. Um, Professor Says, on the contrary, has concluded that the monotheistic religion belonged to the, uh, quote, Sumerians, end quote. He says, quote, in the pre-Semitic days of Chaldea, a monotheistic school had flourished, but this school died out, end quote. And suggests that the Polytheistic religion was imported by the so-called Semitic race. Uh, and what does he mean by so-called? Is that something else? Edomites or something? Uh, yeah, I think uh, he he's confusing Jews with Semites. Okay, so uh, you know, he, but they were the, the Semites are really Aryans, <laughs> right? He, he doesn't he doesn't get that. Okay, so uh, but Cain must have looked like a white man. He must have looked like a white man, thereby fooling everybody. Okay, uh, so that uh, and he, he looked like a normal person. We still haven't figured out exactly what the uh, mark on Cain is. Okay, but uh, some uh, kind of amulet or you know uh, mark. Uh, some people say that there's a, a mark on their back. I forget what they call it now. It's, it's a red tattoo, <laughs> red birthmark on their backs, but he wouldn't be going around showing people his backside, would he? <laughs> right? He might just. Maybe that's the key, right? Because it is perverted religion after all, right? Okay. Yeah. We have yeah. Okay. Uh, let's continue. Uh, quote, the theology of Babylonia as it is known to us is thus an artificial product. It combines two wholly different forms of faith and religious uh, consumption. Ecumenism. Uh, these... Ecumenism. There it is. Yes. Blending religions together. Oh. Yep. Yes. Uh, one of these was uh, overlaid by the other at a very early period in the history of the of the people, and the theological beliefs of some received a Semitic interpretation and quote yeah sumer so uh ecumenism would combine monotheism with polytheism with no problem to pick your pick the god you want to worship and go from there it's your choice yeah <laughs> all right and this was from a book called religions of egypt and babylonia so the professor, in an uh, evident attempt to account for the sure signs that the uh, conception of the Supreme God once existed in Babylonia, although he was not worshipped there, uh, conjectures as follows. Uh, quote, 
the higher minds of the nation struggle now and again towards the conception of one supreme God and of a, uh, a purer form of faith, uh, that of deed uh, weight and of politistic no, no, uh, belief. The, the word is but, but the dead weight. Is there a uh, misprint? Dead weight. Yeah, dead weight, but the dead weight of polytheistic beliefs and practices prevented them from ever really practicing, reaching it. Oh, okay, so he's looking. So the, who is this author? Uh, this is this um, Professor Says. Um, Professor Says. Yeah. yeah, okay, so let me try to unravel what's really going on here. The uh, pre-existing, before Cain migrated into Sumeria or into Sumer, the it was probably populated by Aryans, the Sethites, uh, or pre-Sethites, I, I should say, the Cro-Magnon. By the way, the, uh, the, the people of Spain uh, who uh, live in the Pyrenees claim to have descended from the Atlanteans, and they have a completely different speech and language and customs. In fact, but they are pagans. <laughs> uh, the practice... Uh, their own lifestyle and religion, but they look very much white, okay? Very much white, kind of like Pat, Captain Picard of Star Trek. It's kind of like their uh, typical uh, countenance, all right? So uh, that's probably what they're referring to as a pre-Semitic, I think what Professor says is good. So in, in reality, the the Aryans, they're still Aryans, okay? pre-Sumerian Aryans who were incorporated into Cain's system and uh, ultimately you know, became the, the, the leaders of paganism around the world, okay? So, yeah, there's a lot of Ary Aryan pagans. That, that's the, one of the problems we have, okay? So he's mistaking these uh, uh, pre-Sumerian uh, pre people. He, I guess he doesn't really know what race they are, okay? But they were Aryans, in my opinion. They were primarily Aryans. There may have been other races there too. But in the old days, the races did not mix. Okay? They, they, they stayed separate. So it's, it's quite likely that Cain cho chose an Aryan wo woman for his wife, a, a pre-Adamic Aryan woman. Okay? Back to you. Yeah. Look, think it could be that today that we don't mix. But today, that is the rule of the mantra almost. Right. I don't know what to say. It is to, oh, everybody seems to do it. It's like, ah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the, devil's, uh, it. uh, it's the devil's way of destroying us. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. And that uh, often it seems to be the women that are weaker for it. But also the men, I see that as well. Yep. It's getting that way. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially Jewish men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want white yeah, women. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and could that all? I'm, I know. Yeah, they are beautiful as angels. Could that yes. also be a regard to their to their love for Eve? That Cain loved Eve. That's right. Well, the the, the, the son of Eve, but Nachash loved Eve, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's no way Nachash was an Aryan, but no, he may have no, looked that like was a one. Death serpent. Yeah, that's right. Was but could that um, yes but of course yeah they are they are beautiful saying you can understand that also but why they have such obsessions with white women that's right totally obsessed with with our women they want to defile our women that's the whole point yes 
Uh, okay. Although this uh, authorities differs as to which race possessed the knowledge of one God, and as to which form of religion was the earlier of Babylonia, their admissions that the, that knowledge existed there side by side with the worship of other gods supports my claim that Cain introduced that knowledge and usage as the basis of idolatry by ascribing divine attributes to the gods of his own invention. Okay, so I think what uh, is really going on here, the fallen ones who are the gods and goddesses of the Sumerian pantheon, okay, uh, the ones that are depicted on all the, you know, the, the uh, with wings, they're depicted with wings, and they're carrying this uh, little handbag around, and a pine cone, which is symbolic of the pineal gland or the third eye, which kind of looks like a pine cone, and uh, they use, I don't know what's in that bag, I don't know if any... Uh, archaeologist has ever figured out what that bag symbolized, but it's probably it's, it's probably their bag of tricks, right? <laughs> their bag of tricks, and uh, and the, the illusions created, you know, by the imagination of the third eye, right? The pineal gland. Uh, so th- this is their bag of tricks, mythology. Maybe that's what it symbolizes. Okay, but also uh, what is it? The uh, uh, the, the Original League for Industrial Democracy, the uh, in Britain had as their symbol a wolf in sheep's clothing and a beehive. Okay, the beehive representing the worker bees, the worker drones, the uh, the, the workers of the world who are tricked into becoming slaves of their system, their system of communism. So I mean, they're getting they're, they're their ideology is so sophisticated and so tricky that very, very few people can see through it. And this is absolutely true of Cain, right? Absolutely true of Cain. All right, back to you. Yes. Okay. Should we now go to next chapter? Yeah. Cain's penitential hymn. Really? Penance? <laughs> I don't think so. If anything, it's pretend like the, uh, uh, like the Kol Nidra of the Jews, we, we we forgive ourselves for the sins we commit in the coming year, right? That kind of penance. Back to you. Yeah, they think they they themselves are gods. Um, one of the mono, monotheistic inscriptions is called the uh, penitential hymn, uh, and the words of it are such as might have been uttered by Cain himself. Professor Says translated that thus, quote, The transgressions I have committed I knew not. The sin that I sinned I knew not. The forbidden thing did I trample on. My Lord in the wrath of his heart has overpowered me. God who, who knew through I knew not has pierced me. I lay on the ground, and no man seized me by the hand. I wept, and my palms none took. I cried aloud, and there was none that could hear me. I am in the darkness and trouble. I lifted not myself up. To my God I referred my um, distress, my prayer I addressed. How long, O oh my God, shall I suffer? How long, O oh my God, who knewest, though, 
I knew not, shall thy heart be wrath, end quote. Yeah. Uh, Schweitz, well, I don't know, the uh, uh, Schweitz lectures. What's yeah. that from? It's a dirge. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> right? Isn't that, isn't that the favorite uh, uh, hymn of the Jews? Oh, woe is me. We're, we're so persecuted. Oy vey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same. <laughs> okay. Um, this prayer was discovered in the ruins of Azerbaijan's palace. The priest of the king's reigns, seventh uh, century BC, had presumably copied it from the older tablets. Professor King tells us that quote, a detailed study of these inscriptions proves end quote, that all the writings in the ruins of the palace were copies of more ancient ones. At the time, the quote. A penitential hymn, end quote, was finally cop uh, copied the uh, gods of Babylonia were, uh, were legion. According to uh, the inscriptions of King Arthur uh, Barnapal, there were 6,500 of them in his, ha in his land. Yes, yes, the words of this prayer are those of a believer in one god. Yeah, so uh, monotheism is more ancient than polytheism, and many, many uh, Assyriologists and archaeologists and uh, philologists have said the same thing, okay? So the polytheism was actually begun by Cain. I, I think Mrs. Sidney Bristow has, is right on with that. But let me qu quickly quote, because that, that prayer of Cain resembles very much Genesis 4-5, but unto Cain and to his offering Yahweh had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And Yahweh said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire. That sin's desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Thou wilt rule over sin. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel and his brother and slew him. Well, I think Cain is lamenting the fact that he, he has no control over sin. Sin rules over him. All right, so, and, and he can't do anything about it. I would lament that too. <laughs> it's like an addiction, right? I'm addicted to crack cocaine and I can't, I can't fix it. Yeah. Okay. It's been horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. That's why they're uh, so cynical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. Um, at the time uh, of the uh, penitential hymn, was cop uh, finally copied. The gods of Babylon were, were uh, legion. I will read this one. I yeah. see. Um Oh, I can read this down. According to the inscriptions of King Asurbanipal, there were 6,500 of them in his land. Yet, uh, the words of, of this prayer are those of a believer in one God. Do they express Cain's agony uh, of, of mind before, under the devil's influence? He hardened his heart and invented his plan of revenge. In the re uh, retreated words, Quote, uh, who knew, though I know not, end quote. 
we may find a sign of the coming resentment and rebellion. Yeah, he, he was, what, condemned to be a vagabond <laughs> and a wanderer, right? Okay, oy vey, oy vey. Yes. Every Jew shares with Cain that, uh, how should I, well, resentment for sure, right? But uh, that pain, that internal pain, that struggle between the Adamic DNA and the fallen DNA, right? There's that internal conflict within every Jew that he cannot possibly resolve because his DNA is at war with itself. Yeah. Okay. They they are mixed, so they can't. Yeah, they are. Right. They can't. Uh, yeah. There's no possible resolution of that strife. You know, it's a, it's a blood feud within the Jews' own blood, <laughs> right? The Adamic DNA struggling against the uh, Nachash DNA. The only re- resolution to that struggle will be the annihilation of the Edomites, as the Bible predicts often. Okay, that's the only resolution to that problem. So yeah. and they, uh, uh, what's the old saying? Misery loves company, right? So the oh, Jews yeah. want to make us miserable too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Misery yeah. like company, and that's what they really like to make us misery too. Amen. Um, okay. Let's see what we more have here. Yeah. Many penitential hymns have been discovered, but so far as I know, this is the only copies uh, free from uh, paganism. Hmm. Professor Seitz gives what is obviously another version of the hymn in which um, these lines occur. Quote, may, may God be appreciated again, appeased. for I know not. Yeah, huh? may God be appeased. appeased. Yeah, right. Appeased again, yeah. Yes. Uh, for I knew not that I sinned. <laughs> okay. Okay. May Istar, my mother, be appeased again, for I knew not that I sinned. God knoweth that I knew not. May he be appeased. Istar, my mother, knoweth that I knew not. May she be appeased. May the heart of my God be appeased. May God and Istar, my mother, be appeased. God, in the strength of his heart, has taken me. Istar, my mother, has seized upon me and put me to grief. End quote. Okay, well, uh, Cain's daddy knew what the result would be, right? He knew what he was doing. He was creating a half-breed offspring, which ultimately became known as the Jews. So, in a, in a way, Cain's plight here, I can sympathize with him. Uh, I'm the offspring, uh, I'm the product of this uh, forbidden union. Not my fault. But it's still forbidden. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah in, in a similar way, Canaan, who was the offspring of incest, he, Canaan was the one who was cursed, not Ham, who was guilty of the sin. Of sleeping with his own mother. Okay, that, that's just more reason for us to understand that uh, race mixing is evil and it cannot result in anything good. Here, Cain is admitting <laughs> it cannot result in anything good. 
Yeah. So, so that maybe. is this computer so, that is created. Yeah, and so all maybe, the... Yeah, sorry. So maybe what Cain should have done is to not have offspring himself. Yeah, that would have saved us a lot of pain. Yes. But, uh, of course, we know the story was another one. Yeah. Okay. Luckily, they are the smallest nation on the earth. Right, right, but they do the most damage, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and this is so, this is so that people don't, that dust, it doesn't understand this, that it creates confusion. Yes. You are creating, you are creating something yeah. that should not be, and you're putting, uh, it is forbidden by a reason. Genetic confusion, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, they they don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. And so they have no no allegiance to anything because oh, am I white? Am I brown? Am I what? You know this. They they don't know what they are and what will they tend to. Yeah, it's, it creates havoc upon our people. That's really a um, what to say? It's a plague that plagues our nation. I believe today. Yeah. Like any other addict, I can't help myself. Yes. Yeah. Give me. I need a fix. I need a fix. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The priest fashion of mythologimus is well exemplified by this probably later version of the uh, penitential hymn. The fact that the uh, penitent calls Istar Eve mother. Mm -hmm. And was eventually under her displeasure. Supports my theory that the hymn was ordinarily inspired by words um, which Cain had once uttered, or might have been uh, supposed to have uttered. Yes. Um, commenting upon this version of the hymn, Professor Says writes, "Quote: A rubric is attached to this verse, um, stating that uh, it is to be repeated ten times." And at the end of the whole psalm is the further rubric. Rubric. Quote. Uh, now, uh, for the tearful uh, supplications of the heart, let the glorious name of um, every God be invoked 65 times, and then the heart shall have peace. Oh, really? End quote. <laughs> okay. But there's uh, the Hindu pantheon has millions of gods. <laughs> Are you going to repeat those names 65 times? Okay. Again, Babylonian confusion. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this from Assyria, it's a princess, priest, etc. Yeah. A second uh, monotheistic inscription undoubtedly refers to the fall of the rebellious angels, angels uh, to whose existence both the Old and New Testament witness. Uh, the translator says, quote, the first four lines are broken. They relate to uh, they related, no doubt, that a festival uh, of praise and thanksgiving was being held in heaven when this rebellion took place. And quote. Okay, so here's the here's the prayer. Yeah, and these inscriptions run. Um, quote: The divine being spoke three times the uh, commencement of a psalm. Uh, six, the God of holy songs, Lord of religion and worship. Seven, seated a thousand uh, singers and musicians and establishing a choral band. 
8. Who to this hymn were to respond in multitudes? 9. With a loud cry of contempt they broke up this holy song. 10. Spoiling, confusing, uh, confounding his hymn of praise. 11. The god of a bright crown with a uh, wish to summon his adherents. 12. Sounded a trumpet blast uh, which would wake the dead. 13. Uh, which to those rebel angels prohibited return. 14. He stopped their service and sent them to the gods who were his enemies. 15. In their room he created mankind. Ooh. 16. Uh, the first who received life dwelt along with him. 17. May he have given them strength never to neglect his word. 18. Following the serpent's voice whom his hands had made. End quote. Okay, Records of the Past, Volume 7. I mean, it's, uh, she's referencing an amazing number of obscure texts that uh, are very probably very difficult to get a hold of today. But we only have about five minutes left, so let me just go back to uh, Cain, uh, Cain, <laughs> Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain, where his, his descendants are listed, okay? And, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand? When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield ye to thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto Yahweh, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Oy vey. Behold, thou hast driven me out to stay from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. He's accepting this punishment, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Okay, this is when he put the mark on him. And then, uh, and then Cain knew his wife, east of Eden, from the land of Nod, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city and called the name of the city after him, namely Enoch. And then they begat uh, his sons and, and uh, daughters here. And they became uh, metalsmiths. They became uh, songsters, musicians, uh, using harps and organs. You know, this is, I think, the poem that you just read is, is kind of a summary of Genesis 4. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's what it sounds like to me, okay? So, uh, let's see, there's, uh, I'm just looking at, we're very near the end of this document, and, uh, okay, just, let me just read a little bit here. The translator's remarks that the medieval church also held the opinion that mankind was created to fill up the void in creation caused by the rebellion of ungrateful angels. <laughs> With regard to the different titles given to the supreme being, the translator says that the Assyrian scribe annotates the margin that the same God is meant throughout under all these different epithets. No, I think what the, what the intent of the poem is that these new gods intend to replace Yahweh. Okay? I think that's really the intent. And because this sounds... You know, uh, uh, 
the, the God of holy songs, Lord of religion and worship, seated a thousand singers and musicians and established a choral band who to the, his hymn were responding in multitudes. And what did they? Spoiling. Oh, with a loud cry of contempt, they broke up his holy song, spoiling, confusing, confounding his hymn of praise. Isn't that what the Jews have done to our religion? Oh, sure. That's what they have done to our religion. They mock it. They have contempt for our religion. Okay? And they take pride and joy in that contempt they have for us, which they disguise very well from the Judeo-Christians. Right? And there, there's the tump, there's a trumpet blast. Uh, Genesis chapter four talks about them inventing trumpets and uh, you know, instruments and uh, making loud and raucous music. <laughs> Rock and roll, anybody? Right? Uh, look at the state of music today. It's it's all satanic. It's all satanic. Yeah, it's horrible. Right? Okay. All right. Good stuff. Really good stuff, folks. So uh, Michael and I will talk about. Uh, I think we may have one more episode left of Sargon the Magnificent, and uh, how did Cain found the Babylonian laws? That would be very interesting, okay? All right, Michael, thank you, and we'll see you again next week, okay? Thank you very much, Okay, all right, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass him. Yep, and we'll see you again next week. Take care. Don't be fooled (laughs) by Babylonian religion. Babble, babble. (laughs) 